This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights. It may not have been the most flashy week, but there was football nonetheless. And in a year like 2020, I'll take it. Before we get into the recap of the week 11 slate, I need to introduce my co-host. I am Madison and I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's nice to uh, nice to look forward to a fuller slate. Is fuller a word? Uh, a more full slate. Hey, don't that, jinx anything yet. Uh, well, I, I know. I, I have been thinking about that. There are going to be some cancellations. I, I totally... I saw something today, just jumping ahead a little bit. I don't know if it's this week, but there was an SEC game canceled, and now there's some like Mountain West game on the 330 CBS slot. Oh, really? I, I think I, I got a text. I'll have to confirm that. I'll confirm that here in a sec. But um, yeah, it was interesting last week with the Masters on and everything. You know, I... I had a TV, obviously, with football on it all day long, switching back and forth. But I'm not going to lie. I used the uh, the main TV for, for Masters coverage in Saturday with the uh, shortened slate. It uh, it was pretty nice just to have the Masters on, uh, you know, on the prime TV. It's such a big event. So, you know, but excited to get into this week. Uh, excited to uh, obviously do our preview ne- uh, tomorrow. So, yeah, excited to dive into what we did see, uh, albeit just a few games uh, less. Yeah, you're right, uh, Pierce. I'm seeing here the Ole Miss and Texas A&M game was canceled, which means or postponed rather, which means that the CBS 2:30 game is San Diego State Nevada. Surely, Vern, uh, not Vern. Surely, Brad and Gary won't be calling that game. Lord no. Okay. <laughs> I think they're, exclu- they're exclusively uh, SEC. SEC. Okay. It'll be it'll be like tonight. Uh, tonight, the, there's some action going on. Uh, I believe it's Kent State and Akron. They're on CBS. Not CBS, the the primary, but CBS uh, Sports or whatever that station mm-hmm. is. CBS Sports Network or whatever. Yeah, and uh, you know, like Rick New- Rick is in the. Uh, they did the halftime thing, like you know, like some of the usual guys, but it was not obviously the CBS. It'll be some crew like that that goes out to uh, sure out west to Nevada or maybe at San Diego State. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right, Pierce. It was a once in a lifetime, uh, hopefully, uh, chance to see the Masters going on in congruence with football. It was kind of crazy. Uh, we, we had a lot of golf going. Uh, Dustin Johnson just absolutely dominated. And uh, we're still, t- I'm still talking about the 10 that Tiger shot on hole 12. You know what? I, I actually, this is not a golf podcast. Uh, you can go check out our other pod here. Uh, we, we released one, some a preview of the Masters last week. We will have uh, much more and, and hopefully be on a separate channel uh, next golf season. You know, really just in about two months um, when things come back to full swing. Hey, Masters again in just a few months. I know. I'm so excited about that. You know why? Exactly what you just said about Tiger with the 10. It was evident on, really it was evident on Saturday. He was just not going to, he just didn't have it. Um, I believe it was Saturday where he was very ginger. Uh, picking up his tee, he was bending over slowly, all that. I think uh, with the condensed schedule this season, not being in his normal flow, he was kind of out of things. And obviously with these big layoffs leading into these majors, especially the Masters, um, hard for him to be at his peak. I think he used this, honestly, as, a, you know, obviously he was trying to win, but I think he used this as a way, a stepping stone saying, okay, something to build off of. I rarely get to play this course. I rarely play this course in November. 
I'll be able to play it now and count it as, you know, practice going into uh, to April. So uh, excited about that. The 10, obviously, to answer your question, sucked. It sucked to watch. It was uh, it was very tough. But you got to love how he responded going yeah, birdie on 13, 15, 16, 17, 18. Um, so he made up for it uh, at the end of the day. But he wasn't going to win. So just excited to see him do some things here that he can build off of. Let's transition here, Pierce, to the week 11. I think we were talking about week 11 slate. Uh, With our good, our bads, and our uglies, this is, of course, where we break down our good performance of the week, our bad performance of the week, and our downright ugly performance of the week. I'm going to let you go first here, Pierce. What is your good performance of the week? Putting me on the spot. I mean, I hope I don't take yours here. We usually discuss this uh, prior to the show starting, but... I got to go Notre Dame here. Uh, everyone was calling, at least a lot of the public was calling Notre Dame to, to fall flat here against BC. Uh, surprisingly, a, a rivalry game. These two uh, Jesuit schools, obviously, uh, you know, they, they have a little bit of a hatred for one another. And BC, you knew, was going to come step up with uh, Dracovic. Obviously, I pronounced it right. Dracovic, obviously. Yeah, you did. Um, I had to think back for a see, second. See, even you thought. Yeah, I had to see, think this back is going to be a running joke. Dracovic, uh, you know, he, he played well, but obviously coming from Notre Dame, transferring over to BC, knew there was going to be some uh, some fun to be had on both sides of the ball there um, and some extra motivation. Got to give it to Notre Dame. They didn't fall flat, and they controlled this game for the, for the better part. I'm so, going to – oh, sorry. I didn't so, know you were no, no, you're good. I was just going to say, so got to give uh, your props to the Fighting Irish. Uh, absolutely true. Uh, I am going to go with Matt Corral as my good performance of the week. He was 28 for 32, 513 yards and four touchdowns for the Rebels as they took down the Gamecocks and ultimately put the nail in the coffin of Muschamp's job. He, of course, was fired from South Carolina just a few days ago. Uh, Matt Corral is not necessarily somebody who you look at and you think to yourself, he's got all the... I, I think a lot of his success you can attribute to Lane Kiffin and his scheming, but he's getting it done for them, and he looks really solid. I mean, he's putting up some pretty big stats. 513 yards, like I said, uh, through the air. That is just unreal. Uh, and and like I said, North, or not North Carolina. Pfft. Ole Miss is not going to blow anybody away necessarily with their, uh, you know, football top to bottom, their units on both sides of the ball. But but Matt Corral is a, a pretty pretty good baller. He can really spin it, as they like to say. That he can. That he can. What's your bad performance of the week, Pierce? My bad, uh, it, it should be this uh, just this game in general, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pick on the uh, Stanford Cardinal. Stanford Cardinal, uh, very odd how they're going about this season. Obviously, they were down significantly uh, early on in this game and for the better part of this game. And, um so, so Davis Mills had to throw the ball a lot, and 56 times for a QB at Stanford's crazy. They didn't even have a single rusher over 40 yards of, uh, of rushing offense. That's terrible. And when you look at it, this team, people thought they were going to take a little bit of a step up here, not a significant one, but at least you know be competitive, and they're now 0-2. Last week, understandable against Oregon. This week, you need to beat a team like Colorado with the new, uh, new coaching staff there in town. Still, still a solid team, but some a team that you're more talented than, and certainly uh, expect higher things from. To to fall flat on your face, and and honestly, this was at two thirty slot while we were watching the Masters, and you looked at me at one point and said, "Why are we watching this game?" And I I, I point like just said, "I don't know." It was that disgusting to watch, and they were down. They don't don't let the score fool you. This they were way out of it for the better part of the game. They had no chance to win this game. So my bad is the Stanford Cardinal. My excuse me, my bad performance of the week is the Minnesota Golden Gophers. 
They lost at home 35-7 to to the Iowa Hawkeyes. That puts them at 1-3 so far on the season uh, with their only win coming against Illinois. And this is one of those teams that I was actually kind of high on coming into the season. I thought to myself, hey, you know, Minnesota, uh, row the boat, uh, ski ma, all of those things. I was like, hey, I like P.J. Fleck. You know, I don't know a lot about their, their roster, but I trust him to get it done, and he cannot. Uh, he looks – they look real bad, and they have a still pretty tough schedule. Uh, you know, they could lose to Wisconsin. They could lose to Northwestern, and, heck, they could lose to Nebraska. They'll probably lose to Purdue too, honestly. So they might finish this season with one win, and I understand that COVID is a weird year, but not, not good. And when you look back at uh, the performance versus Michigan, when you thought, hey, Michigan might be back here, and now you're like, mm, maybe not so sure – uh, it, it's starting to look more and more embarrassing as you look at some of their losses in the rearview mirror. So uh, that is my bad performance of the week, unfortunately, at home to lose 35-7 to to Iowa, who's who's not ever terrible, but they've had a lot of uh, off-season, off-season issues. And so I, I just think that if you're Minnesota, you're looking towards 2021 real, real fast. Well, and think about it. Iowa, when do they blow teams out? Never, well, they're just not that type of a team typically. So yeah, they're playing like against, Illinois. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so I'll move on to the to my ugly performance of the week. My ugly. This might be a little bit of an overreaction. We might too. have the same one here. I don't think so. I don't think so. You're, I think you're going to be surprised. Mine's okay. kind of piggybacking off piggybacking off of your uh, bad. It's the Big Ten. It is oh, the okay. Big Ten. I just don't know if they're all that good. I really don't. Uh, and now, obviously, some of that is because their flag, uh, you know, a few of their flagship programs are are really, really bad this year. Obviously, Penn State's had a lot of opt outs. They've had some injuries, um, but they're just not that good of a football team. Uh, it, despite that, you also look at Michigan. They're just flat out awful. Uh, and, and when you have Northwestern, no offense to Northwestern fans, but when you have Northwestern leading the uh, West side, now I know Wisconsin is right there too, and Wisconsin looks good. But outside of that, I mean, Wisconsin ought to kill everybody in that in the, on that side. And then you look at it, and I think Indiana is a solid team, but they're not great. And I'm not sure what to, to make of Ohio State. I need to see them a little bit more. I know they're going to be good, but I want to see them battle-tested one, one, once or twice more. But, yeah, when you've got some of these programs, Penn State 0-4, Michigan 1-3, Michigan State 1-3, uh, you know, you got Minnesota 1-3, who people thought were going to be good this year. Um, and Nebraska's obviously down there. You, you just there's just not a lot there uh, in in the form of uh, competition for what I think are the two uh, two top dogs in Ohio State and uh, Wisconsin, Indiana right below. So my ugly is the Big Ten, especially uh, especially some of those teams, Minnesota getting blown out, um, Penn State and Michigan. Well, I'm gonna zero in here on one of those teams you just talked about in my ugly, and that is the Minnesota Wolf or Minnesota. I just talked about Minnesota, the Michigan Wolverines. They got blown out by Wisconsin 49-11 to in the big house. Uh, I'm going to read some of these stats here, Pierce. Joe Milton just had 98 yards, two interceptions. Uh, they had uh, were held to just 219 yards of offense, only 10 first downs, and they didn't even possess the ball for 20 minutes of the game. It wasn't Ooh. even close. Uh, as far as offensively, they gave up almost 500 yards or defensively, sorry, they gave up almost 500 yards uh, to Wisconsin. It, it's, it's, and, and Graham Mertz didn't even look that good. After the first game, and they had two weeks off, first game, we thought, Graham Mertz, wow, that's awesome. He didn't look that good. They, nothing about, or, gosh, can you tell that I, it's late and I've, 
It's worked very out late. Really I just today. while you, I didn't even hear what you said. I was yawning in the background. Holy <laughs> cow! We'll, we'll make this kind of quick. But when you have a team who, uh, you know, is coming off of a two week buy situation, so they should have a little bit of rust, and and they didn't blow anybody. They didn't you know blow anybody out of the water with the stats they're putting out. But they still are able to beat you forty nine to eleven. That's insane. I think we're headed towards a parting of the ways with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. I think it's going to be more of a mutual situation. I think if you're Harbaugh, and we'll have an off-season podcast, or maybe we'll do it in uh, you know, a bonus episode or something like that, talking about some of these coaching carousel changes. But I think that you see him go, and you know he might jump to the NFL. I think that's probably you're looking at him. Uh, Drew Butler, shout out to Drew Butler. He put something about uh, Harbaugh being the next coach of the Falcons and he was getting absolutely roasted for that take because uh, the people in Atlanta would n- apparently do not want to see Jim Harbaugh as uh, as the Falcons coach but it, it's real it's real bad you thought you had your guy he's obviously not your guy you're kind of just sitting there going hey we got to wait till this year's over I think to, to kind of not not upset the apple cart too much but it, it's it's gone from bad to worse at Michigan and this is a prideful team and you've got nothing to play for already and you're four games in and it's just it's really really ugly it's that's all I can say about it uh so unless you have anything else to add let's jump into our recaps Pierce yeah I have nothing uh, unless you want to cover braggers real quick that's and then that we do that oh nice end. nice nice good point yeah that's how tired I am. I'm delirious. I'm say, still bringing I, the energy, but I am. My thought, uh, everything's kind of going in one ear and out the other. So. Yeah, you didn't even... Sp- I spun two spin classes before this. Well, I was working until about 7.30. Okay, whatever. All right, let's jump into our recaps. The number nine Miami Hurricanes and the Virginia Tech Hokies in a close one. Miami squeaks it out at the end. They win this one at 25-24. to 24. Uh, Derek King looked... Decent. He had 255 yards through the air. They did weren't able to get much of a run going. The uh, Hurricanes were not able to. I should say, Hendon Hooker did have an interception. Uh, you know, you look back at that, maybe that was a big playing factor. Um, but ultimately, Miami. I, I'm going to make this statement, and I want you to follow it up. This is my question to you. Miami might be probably the worst seven and one team that we've seen. I mean, they're ninth in the nation, but like this, that kind of performance doesn't prove anything to me and they struggled last week versus NC State it's been all downhill since the Notre Dame game to be honest with you yeah they're 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 one of those teams that and you'll see this from time to time they're third or fourth in their conference but what they do is they do not lose to inferior opponents and that's that's what you had here uh you know and, and oddly enough Virginia Tech got out to the lead that they needed to get out to and and you just thought they were going to be able to run the ball well enough in order to you know hold off this Hurricanes team but it was evident once you saw, obviously, you look at some of the stats. Um, Khalil Herbert, obviously, only went for, what, 49 yards. He's an, he's a superstar. I know he's dealing with a hamstring. A lot was on Hinton Hooker. Miami did so, throw some good things at him. Uh, uh, Jalen Phillips on the D-line for the Miami Hurricanes was a stud. Uh, you can also throw in um, Frierson, who had two sacks. Phillips had the two and a half. So they got after it uh, on this uh, against this Virginia Tech offensive line. That being said, I still thought Virginia Tech was going to pull this out, but it was evident in the fourth quarter. Derek King has that it factor. He just knows how to get the job done, and so you got to applaud him for that. This Miami team isn't great, but they there's something to be said about knowing how to win. And if uh, Derek King does decide to come back, since this is uh, considered a free year for everybody, you know, give this team another year to mature. I like them a little bit more. They're certainly talented, and they're going to get an influx here. But yeah, this Miami team, uh, I agree. I, I just don't think they're they're the best. They're the worst best team we've seen. Yeah, fair. 
Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see this next one here, Pierce. The number 10 Indiana Hoosiers, 24, and the Michigan State Spartans, 0. Goose egg for old Sparty. Uh, my question to you on this one is going to be this. Indiana's 4-0. And with Ohio State having well, – they, they play Ohio State this next year, this next week. So that you're going to see, you know, they're, they're going to lose or they're going to upset and it's going to be crazy. We could be talking potentially about, you know, if Ohio State has to miss another game – Indiana as your Big Ten East? It, that just tells you the state of the Big Ten, like you were talking about with your good, bad, and ugly. I mean, Big Ten East champs, that'd be crazy. But that being said, I want to know from you, is this the real deal, or do we think next week they'd get absolutely exposed versus Ohio State? Many will obviously pre- preview that uh, tomorrow, but uh, or, or rather in a couple of days when you guys hear this. But I want to hear kind of a mini preview for a little tease for the people. Are they the real deal? No, I've been saying it for a while. I don't believe they are. Now, I will say this. As you were asking me that question, and I started to think about that that game next week, the thought kept going through my head. Well, you know, this is this is an Ohio State team who's in cut from the same cloth as an Alabama this year, or, or typically a Clemson, where you're going to have to go out there and score a lot of points. That being said, Ohio State has struggled with teams that just play solid defense, get a couple turnovers against Ohio State, and don't turn it over. You can figure out a way to upset them. So is is the blueprint there? Yes. Does it give them a 50-50 shot? No. I think Ohio State uh, Ohio State ought to win this game. They ought to win this game by 14 to 17 points. Uh, in all honesty, I think similar to how Penn State played Ohio State. Do we know that line yet? No. I, no. Is that that's uh, We'll cover that. That's this weekend, correct? Yeah, coming up. Um, yeah, I can look that up real quick. Um, it's not a big deal. I can do it while you're talking. That being about this said, game. this is uh, that that's just a game where I just don't I I just don't see enough explosiveness out of Indiana consistently. They've got uh, Penix is a great quarterback. Fryfogel is a phenomenal receiver. They've got some guys. They they're good enough to to do really well in this Big Ten, but I just don't think they have enough to get it done against Ohio State. Let me guess, Ohio State minus fourteen and a half. 20 and a half. Whoa. Wow. That's just disrespectful. They are daring you to take Indiana in that. That means I'll take Ohio State. <laughs> that line stink, as you like yeah, to say. Yeah, that line stinks. That that, line that's, stinks. A, that's, a, that's a weird line. We'll, we'll have to get into that. We'll get into that more tomorrow. But, yeah, I mean, this Indiana team, going back to, to their game against Michigan State, just workmanlike. Uh, Pennix obviously had a fan- fantastic game, and he's someone I've struggled to nail down this year. Um, when I, when I want to count him out, he, he comes out and proves me wrong. 320 through the air, um, did have two picks. We'll need to clean that up this week. Uh, but I do think the best is yet to come here. I like what he can do with his legs as well. And, and shout out, uh, Fry Fogel on the outside, 200 yards, uh, receiving absolutely manly performance there. Need to get the ground game going a little bit. I know they were going to be, uh, that was going to be a key for Michigan state, but, uh, like what Indiana did uh, on the opposite side of the ball, um, albeit against a, a rough offense, but. Good, 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 good workmanlike effort leading into the biggest game of the season for the Hoosiers. In the battle of the, well, how would I, not unbeatens, the battle of the winless, that's where I'm looking for, the Penn State Nittany Lions 23, the Nebraska Cornhuskers 30. I really would not have told you at the beginning of this season that Nebraska would be upsetting Penn State, but here we are. They look Real bad. And I understand they've had a lot of opt-outs and injuries, and I'll be the first one to kind of apologize for them in this season. But Sean Clifford gets benched. He looks not good. Uh, You know, they've got – they don't have Journey Brown anymore on their rushing attack. I mean, 
if you're Penn State, do you just pack it in and, and try again next year? I mean, they're 0-4 so far, Pierce, on the season. Uh, and they ha- they've played Ohio State already. They haven't played Michigan. They've got to play Iowa next week. They do have Rutgers and Michigan State to end the season. Those could both be wins. But then again, I don't, I don't, not guaranteed at all by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Nebraska, on the other hand, uh, Luke McCaffrey is going to be a stud for them. He's only a freshman. He's putting up some pretty good numbers. Uh, they were doing the whole, um, who's the other guy? McCaffrey, and I'm trying to blank, I'm blanking on the other guy that they were bringing in there. It looks like they're ready to just roll with McCaffrey, though. He's really good. And hey, hey, McCaffrey brothers, if you have a fourth brother, uh, you can send him down to Athens, Georgia. Uh, I would appreciate that. My question for you, Pierce, is kind of what I already posed to the people, but if you're Penn State, do you just pack it in at this point? I mean, what, what do you win a game this season? I mean, you can't pack it in. It's not the NFL where you're fine for draft picks, but you do have to look strongly at next year. I, I think here's why this team won't pack it in. It's it's the fact that them and LSU are the two hardest hit by opt-outs. Um, not to mention they both had injuries. Uh, I don't know if you saw today, a uh, little side note here. Miles um, Brennan ruled out for the year. And well, I th- LSU's got some bigger problems going on right now. Well, true, but still, like those two teams have been absolutely brutal, just destroyed by opt-outs. Um, obviously, LSU had a lot of talent exit as well, but I don't think you can you can just absolutely just throw in the towel because you've got to get some of these guys ready to play for next year. You obviously had a small uh, schedule, a smaller schedule than normal here this year. Get everyone ready. Get everyone buying in for next year if you can. That's going to be the most important thing. Obviously, you're not looking. Your goals this year are out the window. There's no opportunity of making a bowl. Uh, at this point, you just hope to stay healthy and get experience for players that uh, you know maybe haven't yet. See what people have. Uh, there are a lot of teams I think that ought to use the rest of this season as in that way. You look at this game, not surprising that Nebraska won. I, I we previewed it. I, I loved what Nebraska was going to bring on the ground. They've been a pretty gritty team. Uh, Scott Frost has really got this team playing hard. They're physical. They're not they're not uber talented yet. I don't know if they'll ever get there, but they're going to be a, a, a handful here. Maybe uh, even as early as next year. I think two years is is uh, their best bet. But you know, got to tip your cap. It wasn't going to be easy, but they certainly came out and, uh, and and got the job done. So kudos to the Cornhuskers. The Vanderbilt Commodores thirty five, the Kentucky Wildcats thirty eight. Vanderbilt also is winless so far on the season. They probably will not get a win this season, unfortunately. Uh, really classy move by the Commodores at the beginning of the game. Obviously, if you weren't paying attention to the news, the Kentucky offensive line coach uh, died of cancer, unfortunately, about a couple days before this game. Uh, and they lined up without a left ta- or, yeah, left tackle. Saying that Guard. Right. Guard, sorry, thank you. I was like, that's not right. Again, y'all, late, late. Too many spend calories I've burned. Um... They line up, uh, had a hole there. Vanderbilt lets them, uh, and then they brought out the guy who was going to be taking that spot, uh, and he was wearing the the number of, of the coach who had died, uh, number 65. So really classy move there, uh, really touching moment as well. Uh, very sad for that program and that family uh, to lose him. But nonetheless, they do get it done at home, 38-35. to 35. Uh, Hey, I, I really like this Ken Seals kid for the Commodores. He's only a freshman. He put up some pretty good numbers uh, for, like I said, for the Commodores. 21 of 32, 225 yards. Uh, but then 
Then again, Kentucky was able to run the ball all day long, so it was no competition. Chris Rodriguez Jr. puts up 149 yards for the Kentucky Wildcats. I don't want to take too much of your steam, so go ahead and take us away with your analysis of this game. Uh, it was ugly. <laughs> well, it was yeah. ugly. Uh, I mean, the, the whole slate was. The, it, the fact that we were previewing that game. Well, and, and to say, Ooh. and really if you want to boil it down to how ugly it was, this was not a game we watched. Um, this was a game I had to follow on my iPad. So really, and only because I, I kept hearing things about, oh, Kentucky's not really playing that well. They're letting Vandy back in this game. So I had to tune in um, elsewhere. But yeah, I mean, this wasn't a great game. You look statistically, nothing really worked. Now, both both teams were able to get things going on the ground. I'm surprised Vandy was able to be as efficient as they were running against Kentucky. You've seen them really stand up against some good rushing offenses this season. Um, yeah, you got to like what Seals brings to the table. He's someone that certainly if uh, Vandy does have one of those years in the next four years where they put it together, Seals is a quarterback that can that can get the job done uh, with a couple years of progression and, um, you know, maturing uh, to do as well. So, yeah, I wish Vandy could have gotten this, this the job done here, uh, get, the, get the monkey off their back. But Kentucky's just a little bit too physical, a little bit. They had some motivation on their side. So, ugly game to watch, but... We we uh, we digress. All right, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish continue to roll. They take down the Boston College Eagles, forty-five to thirty-one. Phil Dracovic, a little bit of a uh, revenge potential revenge game for him, and uh, Notre Dame was in a potential letdown spot, but it would not be so because Ian Book might just be the real deal for the Fighting Irish, and this might just be the season that they are able to uh, shock the world. I'm not so sure about that, but they do look on track to make the playoffs. Of course, they do have the ACC Conference Championship looming. Uh, but this game was definitely the highlight of the week. And like I said, Ian Book looked real good. So I want to know, Pierce, really quickly here, uh, pretenders or contenders, Notre Dame fighting Irish? Got to be contenders. When, you, uh, when you're when you undefeated and you beat a team with of the caliber that Clemson is, Despite being their backup quarterback, their backup quarterback's one of the top five quarterbacks probably in the, in the country right now. So uh, they're, they're, they're contenders, and here's why. Here's even more why I consider them contenders this year. Ian Book is really, really coming into his own. He's having some. He's had some phenomenal games in the biggest moments this year, and that's exactly what you want to see uh, with a team such as Notre Dame, who is not going to go out there and absolutely light the world on fire. Uh, they're not going to put up, you know, crazy numbers offensively but they don't have to because they have a really good defense they can run the ball um you know Ian Book can even run the ball some and and he just makes plays so yeah this game was one where a lot of people thought that Boston College was going to be able to keep up going to be able to maybe shock the world they they hung in there they they made this a ball game but pretty quickly you realized okay Notre Dame just has the guys they're just uh they're a little bit more talented and, uh, you know, they, they were not taking this team lightly. There was some motivation there uh, playing a, a smaller rivalry game, but a rivalry game, albeit. And knowing that people were calling that this game a trap game, uh, they, they got up for this one. And, you know, I, like I said, when you've got Ian Book uh, throwing for 280-plus and running for 80-plus, that's uh, a scary combo, especially when he doesn't turn it over. So Notre Dame for real. The Oregon Ducks, 43, the Washington State Cougars, 29. I don't remember what the line was on this one, Pierce. Oh, 10. Or, okay, 10. So they did end up covering, but for a while there, we were monitoring the score, and you looked at me, you said, do you see this score right now? And I was like, yeah, I told you. Oregon struggles against Wazoo. I don't know what it is. They do end up getting it done, obviously. They win by uh, 14 points. That was points. one of my few wins. Yeah, well, 
I think I, I went. I thought uh, I was doing well for a while. I think I went five and five, and and you went seven and three. Seven and three. Woo! That's some strong medicine. It's, it's BS, is what it is. I just have a pulse on the game. What can I say? I did figure out how to say the name of the quarterback here. Pierce. It's Shaw. It's like Shaw. It's like Show. No, not Show. It's Sh- whatever. I don't know how to say the name. Never mind. Thought I, I thought did. you were talking about Deloria on the other side. No, well, that's just Delora. Delora, yeah. Yeah, well, that's easy. That's literally Delora. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I don't have a ton to say about this one. My, the Pac-12 is just not intriguing to me, which isn't very sad because I love the Pac-12, and I love Oregon. Oregon was my dream school. Uh, it's it just when you know they're probably not going to get in the playoffs, like what's the point? I, I can't get into it. But that being said, Oregon does improve to 2-0, and and, and I want to know, Pierce, if we were able to play – non-conference games, we would have gotten an Oregon-Ohio State matchup. It would have been in Eugene. It would have been the second weekend of the season. We can play the what-if game a ton, and and I do think it would be fun to go back and dissect what could have been this season when all is said and done and the dust settles, but do you think that that would have been a competitive game, or is Ohio State much, much better than Oregon? I don't. I don't think it would have been... uh, Well, I think it could have been competitive. I I definitely think it would have been competitive, but... Throwing a, a team out there that you know is breaking in a new quarterback, um, you know, just Shaw. That's what it is. Shaw. I think it's Shaw. You know what's funny? I, I looked at it and it looks like a like Shaw. Like there was <laughs> I a, said show on the preview. There was a quarterback. There was a quarterback called David Blau, and he spelled it B L O U O U G H. Like the like Shaw looks like Shaw, but. Yeah, to each his own. I can't remember now. What Regardless, I said. Uh, yeah, I can't even remember. We, God, us and these names are kicking our ass. We Ungalale. We Ungalale. But I can't say show or show. Show. Uh, who cares? Anyway, I, I, I think this team uh, obviously has benefited from this the not playing uh, out of conference games. They they're they're good enough to to keep up with them, Ohio State. But breaking in a new quarterback, coming off a quarterback uh, in the caliber of Herbert. It was going to take a couple weeks to get into the swing of things, so they benefit from that. Uh, and certainly, I think they have a better chance at the end of the season than they did uh, at the beginning against Ohio State. Obviously, what I like about this Oregon team is they're just solid up front. Unlike a lot of, you know, uh, Oregon does produce some good off the linemen. This is just a little bit different identity. They they're they're much more able to run the ball with physicality. It's not a lot of spread out stuff as as much. Um, they've got some absolute studs and and. Um, Sewell on the on the outside at tackle, and you got to give kudos to Washington State. They did keep they did hang in this game for a, for a you know good portion. Got to like what uh, Delora is doing and how this guy got through the fingertips of every single other Pac-10 school and got to Wazoo. I will never understand that. Came from the same high school as Marcus Mariota and and Tua Tagovailoa. And you gotta like what Wazoo's doing after losing Mike Leach. They look like they're not gonna miss a beat, especially with someone at the helm of the caliber of Delora. So, um, kind of how I thought this game would go, and I, I think Oregon could be a, a real contender out of the Pac-10 or Pac-12. You know what name I can say, Pierce? Kyle Trask. The guy is legit, and he is probably your Heisman winner when all is said and done. But there's a lot of debate there. Uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks, thirty-five. The Florida Gators, sixty. Three. Kyle Trask had 356 yards and six touchdowns. He is phenomenal. They don't have much of a run game. It doesn't matter. He's got a ton of threats, and they didn't even have pits in the game. Arkansas, on the other hand, 
it was just too much. It's just you if you get in a shootout with Florida, you have to put up a ton of points. They weren't able to do that. They weren't able to slow down the Gators. Like I said, 63 points is a heck of a lot. I'm really excited for the SEC championship. As much as it's going to hurt me to watch because we got walloped by both of these teams, I'm excited to see what happens there. If you like offense, and that's not usual for the SEC. Usually these are, you know, just in the trenches. That's how you win in the SEC. And it's just defensive battles, slugfest. Uh, we're going to see probably... I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't know what the record is for the highest scoring SEC championship, but it's going to be the highest scoring SEC championship we've ever had. Uh, I, I don't have much to say here, Pierce. Kyle Trask, you favorite for the Heisman? Oh, man. I, I guess statistically, yes, but... Who else would you put? I don't I don't think... I, I think there's a realistic, expect- or a realistic uh, scenario where he comes out and has a solid performance against Bama, and they lose, and it doesn't matter because they lost. It won't matter the stats he so put up. So you think SEC championship decides Heisman? I think it's inevitable. Yeah, I just don't think there's going to be enough games to give it to Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields with Trevor being out for a couple weeks and Justin obviously only having about four or five games to show his his stuff. I think it feels like it's it's coming out of that game. If Trask wins, then there's a great chance. Um, I think there's a better and great chance. I think you could lock him in if. Bama wins. I think there's two options that can come from that. I think Mac Jones ought to be the the front runner, but who knows, man? If uh, Najee Harris goes out and, and dominates towards the end of the season, and then absolutely ha- runs wild against Florida, which I think he can do. You know, goes for 200 plus. I wouldn't be surprised to see him enter the mix. But I think it comes down to that C championship game. You, know, you look at Florida. Obviously, Trask is going to put up video game numbers every week, uh, and that's kind of what I hit on last week. You know. People saying Florida's absolutely going to be owning the SEC East moving forward is just wrong. I mean, they have a a Heisman type quarterback this year. What's going to happen if he's gone? Look at what's going to happen next year with when he's gone. Emory Jones doesn't look like he can handle the offense. So that being said, this Florida team is really good offensively. I still just wonder about their their running game. Their rushing game is just not great. Now, you don't have to do that when you can just consistently throw and they throw a lot and often yeah, to their it, running back so that It makes that me wonder. It. Yeah, it makes me wonder to your point are they not confident in their ability to establish a run or do they just not care? I think it's a little bit of both. I think they're trying to cover it up, but they're also, you know, trash you can just trust to if nothing's there downfield. He's always going to dump it off and and make the right throw, and they do run a lot of uh, of you know p- plays and and routes uh, with their running backs getting involved. It's a big part of their offense, and uh, so I think it, it. I don't think it's a, a huge detriment not being able to rush the ball like very well or, or overly successful or successfully. That being said. That will be interesting because I do think Alabama will beat them on the line of scrimmage, and that's where I think this game will ultimately come down to, uh, you know, as high-powered as these offenses are. But you also are seeing Arkansas came out. They fought. Sad to see uh, in typical manner, not surprised, the Florida fans came out and booed Felipe Franks on his first. Classless. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but hey, that's that's Florida fans for you. Nothing surprising there. Uh you know, Arkansas came out and battled here, liked what they did. You know, they were without their coach. That's obviously got to be tough in a hostile environment. And I'll tell you, the swamp looked more than 35, 40% full. It looked it looked pretty packed in there, I will say. And kudos to them. I, I, I'm never going to knock someone for having, uh, you know, having as many fans as they can fit in this day and age. Um, good on them. So, obviously, Arkansas was under some tougher conditions and, uh, you know, just wasn't able to get it done. This was just a better team, but... 
Interesting, uh, Kadarius Tony's obviously uh, he's kind of fallen out of the limelight last couple of days or last couple of games, and I think against these teams that are are, are sure tacklers, it's he's gonna have trouble finding uh, those those broken tackles and and space to to get involved. So it'll be interesting. Obviously, Pitts comes back; that'll be a huge thing. They're they're gonna cakewalk to the SEC championship game. Florida's legit. Florida's legit. They've got some things to shore up, but they're legit. The Wisconsin Badgers at 49, the Michigan Wolverines 11. I've already given my thoughts on this game. I want to hear your thoughts. But really quickly, my question for you is where do you think Harbaugh goes next? Because clearly he's not staying in Ann Arbor. No, no, no. Well, here's the interesting thing. If they don't fire him now, why? in a situation where if you just let him be a lame duck, their recruiting is going to go to hell in a handbasket. So you either have to give him an extension or fire him now. I think he's gone, but that's something to think about. I think what he's going to do is he's going to go back to the assistant ranks in the NFL. I don't think he'll be a, a head coach. I don't even know if he'll he be. He's pretty a, good in the NFL, though. Oh, I know. I know, but I don't think you can fail this tremendously and, and get a head coaching gig right away at an NFL. That's fair. Uh, with an NFL franchise. If you wanted to go to... I don't know, a Purdue or, I mean, maybe even less in the Mac, you could get a head coaching job easy. I think he's looking at more like a QB coach slash a co-offensive coordinator type of role for anybody that wants to bring him on. This game was, uh, this game was odd. Obviously I thought Graham Mertz would uh, play a little bit better. That being said, obviously coming off three weeks of no practice. Um, I think it was still impressive what he did, obviously throwing zero picks. That's all you need out of Wisconsin quarterbacks in the first place. The fact that this kid, once he gets back into the swing of things, is capable of throwing for 300-plus is uh, just unbelievably uh, uh, great for the, the prospects of this Badgers team. Came out, obviously did Wisconsin things. Ran it often. Ran it down Michigan's throats. For a team in Michigan that has to be able to control the line of scrimmage if they want any chance to win, they couldn't do it. And, and they can't score points anymore. Not that they could in the first place, but... Yeah, I mean, I think they need a clean house here in Ann Arbor, and uh, I, I really like this, the prospects of this Wisconsin team moving forward. If not this year, man, with Graham Mertz, I, I love this team. Slowly becoming one of my favorite teams outside of uh, outside Georgia and TCU. I, I just love watching them. I like what they bring to the table. I've always heard that uh, in Camp Randall for jump around is one of the most electric atmospheres I would you can love ever experience. Two, two, and I'm I know there's probably five or six more that I'd love to be at, but the two that stand out to me that I really want to experience. That and the intro, the inner Sandman when the Virginia Tech comes out in a big time environment. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Not the Eagle at Auburn. Ah, uh, you know, it's a I've heard bit it's of inside fan- baseball. Yeah, I know. We I've had heard a it's... debate about this the other night with the family. I've heard it's fantastic. You know, I've heard it's overrated. actually. I've heard it's great. I, I would love to experience Very it, but overrated. if you had the it's top, it would it's be Virginia bird. Tech, and it would be yeah, but it's the country's it's mascot. A bird. It's the country's mascot. It's not even their mascot. Their mascot's a tiger. Well, that's a different argument. That's a different argument. You can still have a cool tradition and, and different mascot. That being said, Virginia Tech, you look at that with the crowd shaking, everybody's jumping up and down. Uh, and, and and the players are you just it, it's a cool environment. There's some videos I'll show you, but um, anybody that knows knows those are those are great traditions. But yeah, I just love Wisconsin. This team's always, you know, they failed to have great quarterbacks. It's just not a school that that breeds good quarterbacks. They don't get great quarterback prospects. Mertz is different, and Mertz, I just love what he brings to the table. This this is going to be a fun team to watch in the years to come. The Northwestern Wildcats, twenty seven. The Purdue Bo- Purdue Boilermakers got a little tongue twister there. Twenty. Hey, I got a stat for you, Pierce. Purdue 
was held to just two, count them, two yards of rushing on this game. Two. That's pretty pathetic. Uh, Northwestern, for what it's worth, only had 80 yards on the ground. So uh, despite the score here, not a ton of offensive firepower from these two teams. Peyton Ramsey looks like he is going to be a baller, though, for Northwestern. He looks good, I'll say it that way. He, he had 212 yards and three touchdowns. He did throw a pick. But I do think he uh, he could potentially uh, upset uh, the Wisconsin Badgers next week with Northwestern Wildcats. What were your thoughts here about uh, Northwestern and Purdue? Uh, not surprised how this game turned out. I thought it'd be a, a slugfest of very poor offenses, to be quite honest with you. This uh, this this Northwestern team, if there's one thing that they can um, they can lay their hat on, it, it is the fact that their defense is gonna gonna perform they're gonna play hard for uh Fitz, Fitzgerald um it's his defense and he always brings it with these guys offensively you gotta like what they're doing they're not gonna they're not they're not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination but Peyton Ramsey has really provided some stability at, at quarterback he, he has done a great job of not turning it over um and and having some you know getting some completions in some very opportunist opportune times um I wish they would be able to run the ball a little bit better, but Purdue was obviously going to try and stop that. Uh, quick question. Did you know uh, that Ramsey was a transfer? I did, and it's bl- I'm blanking where he came from. Indiana. That's right. Interesting. Let him go after a bowl. Arguably one of their best years in 20 years. They said, see, uh, he, he transfers because they knew they had somebody else waiting in the wings. Interesting. It's just interesting. One, uh, one man's, uh, what is it? One, one man's man. trash is another man's yes, treasure. Yes, thank you, thank I you. I mean, you're seeing that in a lot of places, though. Yeah, that, that's true, especially in this day and age. You're going to see it more and more with uh, essentially free agency and college I'm football coming up. I'm hoping that we see that with JT Daniels here next weekend. Uh, I don't know if I told you this. Mark my words, he will be starting this week. Pierce goes back and forth. He, he, no, no, no. Pierce no, no, has no, some no. kind of insider information, apparently. No, no, no. I've been pretty consistent saying that he, there's some weird things at play. I think he's a, c- could start. But there's something behind the scenes. And every time we, we were talking, is he going to play? Should he play? Should he's a different story than will he? I, I, I don't think they're, they're just – you just felt that there was something weird going on. I'm hearing now it's all but over. He is the done he's deal the starter. Yep, he will be the starter. Now – Hey, there's worse ways to get your Athens career started. Under the lights, night game, and potentially in black jerseys. <laughs> yeah, and hey, I will say this. What was uh, – I, I, Hate to draw this comparison because they're two totally different guys, but what obviously Notre Dame Notre Dame game was one, but honestly, I look at for Jake Fromm when he bust out for Georgia was really that Mississippi State game. Now yeah, JT true. Daniels potentially can have get his feet under him, his feet wet, get some experience in the SEC, but well, I just hope he can the, stay the, healthy. The, and, uh, game at hand here, Pierce. We're going off on, on a tangent. I know. I'm like, well, I've, come I've, on now. I've covered this game. I, we've already, I've already hit it. This game was a sloppy. This game was always going to be on the line of scrimmage, and not surprised to see Northwestern win in a close affair. Last but not least, the Oregon State Beavers 21, the Washington Huskies. 27. It was Washington's first game, first time to really get a look at what we've got there in Seattle. Uh, not great, not great. Uh, nothing really to write home about. Uh, that being said, they did have a couple of key, uh, or not key, but bright spots. Uh, I want you to write this down. Dylan Morris, 141 yards. Uh, he's not anything to write home about, but I do think he potentially could get his uh, feet underneath him. But on the other side, Pierce, Oregon State, Jamar Jefferson, 133 yards on the ground. So this was just kind of one of those games that you're not, like I said, it's nothing to really drool over, but it was one of those that you got to kind of, if if you're paying attention to the whole landscape of the uh, college football 
landscape. This is one that you have to pay attention to to see what's going to happen with Washington. And it was eh? It was eh? I don't know. I don't think Washington has a shot to compete in the uh, the Pac-12 North, really. But I do think that they do. They are going to have. Um, they're going to be fine after Patterson has left. I think they'll be okay. Yeah, they'll they'll come into their own a little bit more. This was their first game of the season, so you knew things would be a little bit sloppy, and rightfully so. You also knew on the other side that Oregon State was going to struggle a little bit. They uh, they got beat up on by Washington State, albeit they were three point favorites. Um, it was clearly not the case. You, you knew that they were going to come into this game and, and have some trouble. Now they hung around. I'm surprised they hung around, but you know, not surprised to see Washington uh, struggle out the gates here. G- did what they needed to do. Uh, interesting, they came out and both teams uh, scored pretty early on, and, and then there were three points scored in the second half. Very rarely and seldom seen for a Pac-12 after dark game, but uh, a little change of pace here, and uh, hopefully we get some better matchups here in the future, but these uh these two teams we'll see how this goes. Oregon State's in for a rough one, and Washington we'll see. I think they'll get a little bit better, but I agree with your take there. They are there. This is kind of a building year. Yeah, could you tell that I didn't have much to say about this one? Oh yeah, you threw it to me, and I wasn't even quite ready. Yeah, hey, that's just what 2020 is turning into. When you join the party late, you're just not gonna really have much of an entrance. So unfortunate for the Pac-12, but we will still be here to break down the best and brightest. And some of the other best and brightest are braggers of the week. Pierce, take it away with our braggers of the week. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Going to keep it very light this week. We had a lot lot of games that were nixed off the schedule here, Um, but a couple standouts, absolute studly performances. First and foremost, Matt Corral, enough said about him. Dude's putting up unreal numbers. Obviously, the marriage between him and Lake Kiffin is great. 28 of 32, 513 yards, four inter- four touchdowns, and zero picks. Exactly what you need. He also, uh, I think, had a 20, 20-something 20 rushing yards for somebody that can also get negative for sacks. It's pretty good. You also look at his running mate, his bandmate, Elijah Moore. This kid is, continues to play out. Kind of someone that could you could throw their hat in for a dark horse of the Heisman. He dude just continues to put up uh, numbers. 13 receptions, 225 yards, two TDs, and oh, by the way, he had six carries for 45 yards. Absolutely studly performance, and not surprised he does it quite often. Third, you got Ian Book. Ian Book came out, didn't wow everybody through the air necessarily. 20 of 27, very efficient. 283 yards, three TDs, zero interceptions. Absolutely great performance there, but what really did it for him, great decision-making, and also his ability to escape pressure and to rush the football. Ten carries for 85 yards and a touchdown. And last but not least, let's shout out our our, our guy, one of my favorite names in uh, college football, the wideout for Indiana, Fogle. Love this kid. 11 receptions for 200 yards, two TDs. Dude continues to be this target for Indiana, continues to put the team on his back with Penix throwing to him. Uh, Fogle is my bragger of the week. Over all these guys, I love what he's done. That is uh, going to do it for our recap. If you are not following us on social, it's at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, we'd love to have you along for the ride. I put out fun little videos every Saturday morning just breaking down the slate for you. If you haven't caught those, it's just a fun little get you, get you primed for the uh, the day ahead. Tell you what to watch, what to care about, and, uh, and, and what to keep an eye on for the day. And like I said, we are on Twitter as well. Might have to get going with the new fleet. Did you see Twitter has an up- update? Yeah. There's this new fleet thing, which is really just stories on another platform that I have to think about content for. I kind of like it. 
It's just stories. I don't have to check Instagram as much. You are joking if you think people are going <laughs> to flip over to tweet to a fleet for full time. I can't even say it. Fleet. I don't like that brand. I don't like that name, but. Yeah, but gosh, 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 gosh. Uh, yeah, so anyways, follow us on uh, social media at Bragg and Pod. That's Bragg without the G. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We got some fun stuff as we head down the home stretch. Uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about and, un- and uh, break down. And uh, we'll be sure to keep you up to date on all of the top news and stuff as it's going down as well in case anything happens. Lord forbid, uh, you know, we get another uh, spike shutdown situation. Oh, fingers crossed. A little nervous. A little nervous about the way things are going with COVID. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, I said subscribe, share, like, leave a review, all of those fun things. It really helps us. It really appreci- We really appreciate it. It helps us grow. encourages us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now it's time for our overreactions, Pierce. I forgot to prep this, so I'm gonna let you go first. I'm gonna. Oh, I forgot to prep this. I am racking my brain. I have the entire show. You know, I struggle with this and the bowl prediction every freaking oh, yeah, week. You really do. All right, oh, I'm I got, gonna... okay, I'll go first then. Okay, go ahead. I'm not go gonna. Ahead. I don't think I'm gonna hit it in five words. It's gotta be five words or less. But I don't think I'm gonna hit it in five words. SEC championship decides Heisman winner. Ooh, that's five. SEC. Championship decides Heisman winner. I'm not even close to five words, it. I have one, but you'll rip me for it and go, that's not really an overreaction. So I'll go this. It's not a it's not a clean tweet, five-word tweet type of thing, but... Okay, don't take forever. One team will opt out. Of the season? Yep. Who? You want to tell? I think ultimately there will be some teams that there will be enough players that opt out of the season for different reasons. Oh, so you're thinking like they don't have enough scholarship players. They won't even be able to really field a team, and I think they'll just pack it in. Penn State? You have to tell. You can't not... Well, can't this is one overreaction. That. I don't have to. Yeah, you do. You have to. Overreaction is just. Throw well, I think there will be a number table. of teams. I think Penn State. I don't think Penn State will be one because I do think they have caliber. They're just going to be younger. I think it's. Team... I mean, you heard reports, and I don't know if this is this is might not be true, but you heard reports. You're going to of... steal from me right here. What? Go ahead. Missouri, Ooh, the, before okay. the season, going around on a golf cart, and Eli was looking for people who look, just looked semi good enough to play. I, I want to say there was not somebody else. I heard. Uh, a former player or something said that they one time had some injuries or whatever, and they were just trying to recruit people from the IM fields. And I don't know if there's a lot of intramurals going on right now. I feel like James Franklin will find a way. There's too much TV It's not money. Penn State. It's not Penn State Michigan. that I'm thinking of. No, well, that'll be interesting. LSU. That's interesting. But I, South I, Carolina. Boom. Boom. Okay. You're no. seeing a lot of people that opt out. Guys that aren't even well, yeah, necessarily their, their superstars. Their coaches got fired too. Well, exactly. And if a couple of their coaches do get fired, Michigan could be a possibility. I don't know how many upperclassmen they have, but I just think you'll get to a point where late in the season you might just find a reason. Hey, we can't field a team. COVID, boom, they'll kind of opt out of the last couple games. Uh, I, okay, I could, I could foresee that your your point. If like you get to like the last couple games, and it's like okay, we've, we've got to spike. And there's like an urgency this. to re to 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 reschedule games when there is a COVID, you know, cancel or postponement. I think this will be one where it's just kind of like, you know, a, a under the table agreement with the SEC. Like, hey, we're done. All right. Well, we'll see. That is quite the bold prediction. That is going to do it for the Bragging Rights Podcast. I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.